Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to a breath of fresh earth. Taking the commitment to a clean environment to the next level. Your host, Rick Friedman, will crown the climate hero and villain of the week, along with discussing worldwide environmental issues, showcasing new products designed with the longevity of our planet in mind, and putting the spotlight on the individuals making a big impact in helping the climate and pollution crisis through social media. Now, your host, Rick Friedman. The biggest political football this year is fracking. Hydraulic fracking is the process of extracting natural gas from rocks in the earth by breaking them apart. Chemicals are pumped into a targeted area, and after the rocks are broken, gas is released up through a pipe and shipped off in a truck to whatever plant wants it. One of the many problems with fracking is that methane gas escapes during the mining process. Polluted flowback water may get injected into a deep storage well, recycled, or sent to a treatment plant. Fracking fluid is forced underground at high pressure then toxic chemicals seep into the bedrock. The toxins in the bedrock seep into the drinking water aquifers and contaminate the water from the aquifers that enter the drinking water systems. That's gross. Natural gas from fracking produces the same amount of energy as carbon dioxide, but only admits half the emissions. That sounds like a good thing. Well, it is in some aspects, but it's not perfect because methane is a powerful greenhouse gas, more powerful than carbon dioxide. When methane enters the atmosphere, it doesn't stay in there a long time. Only 20% of the methane emitted today will still be in the atmosphere after 20 years. However, when it first enters the atmosphere, it's about 120 times more powerful than carbon dioxide at trapping heat, and scientists say 86 times stronger over a 20-year period. The oil and gas industry has been expanding fracking for decades. The industry won't disclose the ingredients used in fracking. They keep that a secret. That doesn't seem fair. What are they hiding? Can't be good. If I made a food product, the FDA would insist on knowing everything in it before it ever hit a store shelf. Fracking companies can put whatever they want in the ground, our ground, and nobody questions them. Millions of gallons of water are used in the fracking process, which reduces the amount of clean water available to surrounding residents. When water is not available to fracking sites locally, they may get it from other regions and transport it to where they need it ultimately drawing down the water from lakes and rivers across the country. Imagine if someone said, hey, Cleveland, we're going to take your water and ship it to Baltimore for our fracking site. Now, wait a minute, fellas. You already stole our football team. Keep your greedy hands off our water. Thank you very much. In addition to air and water pollution, fracking also increases the potential for oil spills. Scientific and government research indicates that fracking can cause earthquakes. This happens in one of two ways, either during the fracking process when the injected water hits pre-existing fault lines, or secondarily from getting rid of the fracking wastewater via underground injection. Even though fracking has the potential to provide more oil and gas resources to consumers, the process of extraction has long-lasting negative impacts on the surrounding environment. The air pollution, water contamination, the need to get rid of the wastewater, 
and shrinking water supplies. Those are all serious things to consider. Hydraulic fracking is banned in Vermont, Washington, Maryland, and New York. France and Germany banned it too. With unemployment rates skyrocketing and no immediate end in sight, banning fracking in Pennsylvania, which is a contentious issue, could be an important part of the election. Do we do the right thing and stop fracking? Or do we look the other way while oil companies make billions of dollars? Keep in mind, fracking provides an income for thousands of families. That is not something that can be easily dismissed. The number of jobs in the industry is difficult to determine. The American Petroleum Institute says the number is 7.5 million. That seems high. And why on earth would we trust them to give us the real number when they won't even admit to hiding the hazards of coal and gas for decades? They don't get the benefit of the doubt on this one. The Bureau of Labor Statistics says the number of employees involved in fracking is closer to 600,000. It's a big difference. How many actually work in the industry is important, but even if we use the lower number, how do we help transition them to renewable jobs? Many centrists think of fracking as a transitional fuel until we reach 100% renewable and may have more options. On the heels of the government's desperate attempt to return people to work when the coronavirus crisis ends, it might be the reality of the situation in 2020. It's time for the Climate Hero of the Week. Continuing our fracking theme, our first hero is Josh Fox. He's an American film director, playwright, and environmental activist. He's best known for his Oscar-nominated, Emmy-winning 2010 documentary, Gasland. He is one of the most prominent public opponents to hydraulic fracking and horizontal drilling. In 2016, Fox directed the documentary, How to Let Go of the World and Love All the Things Climate Can't Change. It's his personal take on climate change. The Environmental Media Association awarded Josh the best documentary for that film. That movie was a key factor in my decision to take my effort to combat climate change and pollution to the next level. Gasland was awarded the 2010 Special Jury Prize for Documentary at the 2010 Sundance Film Festival, and the film received a 2011 Academy Award nomination for Best Documentary. Fox narrates his reception of a letter he received in May of 2008 from a natural gas company offering to lease his family's land in Pennsylvania for $100,000 to drill for gas. Over the next 18 months, Fox traveled through various states where fracking had already occurred and interviewed homeowners and observe the effects on them and their lives. Fox shows that this process is not illegal due to Dick Cheney. Remember him? Yep, Dick Cheney helped pass a bill to allow gas companies to circumvent the Clean Water Act, a controversial move designed to allow mass drilling with minimal red tape. Since fracking pollutes the water table, many of the victims have suffered severe medical effects from drinking contaminated water and in what are the most extraordinary scenes, they are shown being able to ignite the water coming out of their taps with a naked flame because of the quantity of natural gas polluting the water. Josh has over 60,000 followers on Twitter. You can find him at Josh Fox Film. If you want to see another fracky movie, or if you just like Matt Damon like I do, check out Promised Land. That was a 2012 film based on the story by Dave Eggers. Promised Land follows two petroleum landmen who visit a rural town in an attempt to buy drilling rights from the local residents. I liked it, but movie fans only gave it a 6.6 .6 on IMDb, and just 52% of critics gave it a positive review on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, now it's time for the Climate Villain of the Week. If we have fracking heroes, we must have fracking villains. And we do. I would not disappoint you. Today we feature Charles and David Koch. David just passed away, but more on that later. 
Coke Industries creates chemicals and fertilizers and many other products. Coke Industries is best known for and made most of their money mining and refining petroleum and operates pipelines throughout North America. Coke Industries is the United States' 17th largest producer of greenhouse gases and the 13th biggest water polluter. That puts them way ahead of oil giants like ExxonMobil and Phillips 66. It is the hope of every rich megalomaniac that they will leave a legacy. David Koch, who died recently, can probably claim to have changed the world. Unfortunately, he changed it by setting it on fire. Here's a few highlights. In 1980, Koch Industries pled guilty to five felonies in federal court, including conspiracy to commit fraud. In 1994, a pipeline in South Texas, built in the 40s, exploded, spewing more than 90,000 gallons of crude oil into the Gum Hollow Creek. Employees warned Coke Industries that the pipeline had serious issues, but to no avail. That would have cost money, so they didn't fix it. Coke Industries was sued for violating the Clean Water Act and forced to pay a $30 million civil penalty. At the time, that was the biggest in the history of the United States environmental law. It would have been cheaper to just fix the pipe. Coke was accused of violating the Clean Air Act in 2000, when the feds hit the company up with a 97-count indictment for venting massive quantities of benzene at a refinery in Corpus Christi. And then, of course, they attempted to cover it up. In 2000, the EPA fined Coke Industries $30 million more for its role in 300 oil spills that resulted in more than 3 million gallons of crude oil leaking into ponds, lakes, streams, and coastal waters. In May of 2001, Coke Industries paid $25 million to settle with the U.S. government for the company's long-standing practice of illegally removing oil from federal and Indian lands. Not only did Coke help unleash metric tons of greenhouse gases, they are a key funder of climate change denialism. Coke Industries donated almost $300,000 to 22 of the House Energy and Commerce Committee's 31 Republicans and got 12 of those members to sign a pledge saying they would oppose efforts to regulate greenhouse gases. The Koch brothers' disdain for clean air and water hurt their fellow men, or men they aren't feel quite as worthy as they are. Koch Industries spent more than $34 million on supporting efforts to sabotage and weaken union organizations and fought against public sector pay raises for state and union workers. Koch Industries supported Governor Scott Walker's election campaign. Yes, the same Scott Walker that pushed Wisconsin to pass Act 10 in 2011. The aim of that bill was to end collective bargaining. The conglomerate has committed hundreds of environmental, workplace safety, labor, and other violations. They won business in foreign countries with bribery, and one of its crumbling butane pipelines killed two teenagers, resulting in a nearly $300 million wrongful death settlement. The dangerous methane leakage, carbon emissions, chemical spills, and other environmental injustices enacted by Coke companies have imperiled the planet. David Coke died as the 11th richest man in the world with an estimated net worth of $51 billion. Death and destruction, that is David Koch's legacy. When I was a child, I watched Hollywood disaster films every chance I got. Perhaps this is why I wrote climate fiction disaster short stories and novels. There were so many great movies. I saw Earthquake at the Cedar Lee Theater, and they placed large subwoofers at the back of the auditorium to provide a nice little rumble at the appropriate time when the action on the screen dictated. That was a forerunner to the surround sound system I have in my house today. The studio called it Sense Around. Other movies I remember, War of the Worlds, any Godzilla movie. Did any of you see Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster? I think it was 1972. 
Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, The Andromeda Strain, The Poseidon Adventure, The Towering Inferno. The last two were directed by Irwin Allen. He was also known as the Master of Disaster. Allen found success in TV, too. He was the guy that produced Lost in Space. Uh, They also made a TV version of Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. And then he did The Time Tunnel and Land of the Lost. Did you ever notice during a movie or TV show when the actors are thrown from one side of the screen to the other? I know they did that on Lost in Space and Star Trek. Seems like on every episode, usually when the ship was being hit by weapons or meteors. In the business, that was called the Irwin Allen Rock and Roll. But of all the movies in that genre, my favorite was an obscure movie in 1965 called A Crack in the World. The tagline for the movie was, Thank God it's only a motion picture! Dr. Steven Sorensen planned on tapping the geothermal energy of the Earth's interior. The movie came out during a time in Hollywood when they created mutants, typically derived from radiation poisoning. Anybody remember the movie Them with giant ants? Or Attack of the Crab Monsters? Or The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms? In order to retrieve a never-ending supply of power, Dr. Sorensen thought that detonating an atomic device at the bottom of a hole would release geothermal energy at the Earth's core, and mankind would have power and energy forever. What could go wrong? Dr. Sorensen insisted that the whole process was safe. Sorensen's contemporary and third wheel in a bizarre love triangle in the movie, Dr. Rampion, he suggested that's a terrible idea because atomic and nuclear tests had already weakened the mantle so much that another more powerful blast would fracture the mantle, creating an unstoppable surge of magma towards the surface, and it would travel around the planet, ultimately cracking the world in half and killing all of mankind. Sorensen told him to get lost and proceeded with the test, and it worked. Magma was flowing up to the surface, and that was going to allow mankind to use it to generate energy for the entire planet. A happy ending, and the movie is over. Not so fast. Within days, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, and tidal waves occurred in a pattern along the fault line, just as Dr. Rampion had predicted. And pretty soon the scientists were in a desperate race to halt the deadly progression of a mighty crack that threatened to rip the world apart. There's a crack in the world, and it's circling the planet. The crack turns back upon itself and launches 20,000 square miles of Earth into the orbit, kind of like a second moon. The world is saved, thank God, and life goes on. And at the end of the movie, a little squirrel comes out of a hole and looks around, and it's supposed to be so cute that, I made it! I'm alive! Dr. Sorensen learns the sad lesson of famous doctors like Dr. Frankenstein and Dr. Hammond from Jurassic Park. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Dana Andrews is the star of the movie. You might recall him from his long career appearing in movies from the 40s to the 80s. Here's a little trivia for you. In 1957, Andrews played Lieutenant Ted Stryker in the hit movie Zero Hour, a movie about a World War II pilot forced to land a plane when the crew and passengers get food poisoning. Hmm, sounds a lot like the premise of the 1980 comedy Airplane. In that movie, actor Robert Hayes is a former pilot forced into an identical situation. Hayes' character's name in the movie? Of course it is, Ted Stryker. And surely I'm not kidding. Speaking of the movie Airplane, in 1989, I was on a small plane flying from Cleveland, Ohio to Binghamton, New York. A beautiful woman entered the plane. It was Julie Haggerty, Hayes' love interest in the movie. You might recall her famous line, By the way, is there anybody on board that knows how to fly a plane? It took every bit of my restraint not to say that to her, but I didn't. And then the next group of people who got on the plane was the head of the Catholic diocese in Cleveland, Bishop Pilla and his whole entourage. And I thought, oh, great. 
this plane is going down with Bishop Pilla and Julie Haggerty, and I'm going to be called another. You never want to be another. All this silliness brings me back to the important part of the show. Just like a crack in the world, fracking is the mildest form of mad Dr. Sorensen's attempt to find energy. Fracking has helped give America energy independence, and that's no small benefit. But at what cost? Billions of gallons of wasted water, poisoning the soil, earthquakes, dead animals, ruined farmers, millions of tons of methane gas released into the air. What's a country to do? Will fracking eventually cause a crack in the world that can't be fixed by a Hollywood writer? Raise your hand, unless you're driving, if you've ever shopped at Amazon. I see a lot of hands. Me too. Last year when our son got married, we purchased a lot of items from Amazon. In fact, it seemed like every time I came home from work, the Amazon delivery man was pulling out of the driveway. Oh, come on, people. Pulling out of the driveway. Get your head out of the gutter. Eventually, he'd just say to me, Hi, Rick. Dinner's almost ready. It's delicious. The point is we purchased a lot of products from Amazon, and we helped various charities by using Amazon Smile. If you're not aware, simply by changing your Amazon search to smile.amazon.com on your browser or mobile device, Amazon donates one half of 1% of your eligible purchases to the charity of your choice. It's super easy. All the products you purchase are the same price as you would find at amazon.com, and there are millions of eligible products. You'll see the product mark with the words, eligible for Amazon Smile on the product detail page. You're buying the items anyway, so give your charity a little boost. Every nickel and dime adds up, especially if you're having a wedding. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Celebrating birthdays this month between March 15th and March 30th. Today we wish a happy birthday to James Edward Hansen. Born on March 29, 1941, Hansen is an American adjunct professor directing the program on climate science, awareness, and solutions of the Earth Institute at Columbia University. He's best known for his research in climatology. In 1981, Hansen and a team of scientists concluded that carbon dioxide in the atmosphere would lead to warming sooner than previously predicted. He also predicted that it would be difficult to convince politicians and the public to react. Wow, he nailed that one. In 1988, Hansen gave his congressional testimony on climate change that helped raise the awareness of global warming. During that testimony, he said global warming has reached a level such that we can ascribe with a high degree of confidence a cause and effect relationship between the greenhouse effect and observed warming. It is already happening now, and the greenhouse effect has been detected, and it is changing our climate now. That was in 1988. That was 32 years ago. In 2003, Hansen argued that human-caused forces on climate are now greater than natural ones and that over a long period of time can cause large climate changes. Well, we're seeing that. In 2013, Hansen said that burning fossil fuels would make most of the planet uninhabitable by humans. That's a scary thought. In 2008, Hansen called for putting fossil fuel companies' executives on trial for high crimes against humanity and nature on the grounds that these and other fossil fuel companies actively spread doubt and misinformation about global warming in the same way that tobacco companies tried to hide the link between smoking and cancer. Hansen was arrested in 2011 and 2013 at demonstrations in front of the White House regarding the Keystone Pipeline extension. Happy birthday, Mr. Hansen. Thanks for your efforts on our behalf. 
Thanks for listening. Earth Day is coming up on April 22nd, and the virus ruined the big celebrations scheduled throughout the world. But that doesn't mean we're going to let the day go by without acknowledging what an important day it is. On the next show, releasing on April 15th, we'll find ways to make Earth Day special. Here's a hint. Check out Earth Challenge 2020. My family, like many around the world, are suffering from a bad case of cabin fever. They can't go anywhere. They shouldn't feel too bad. Here's a few other places they can never go, even without coronavirus. They can't go to Area 51. That's not a big surprise. But did you ever hear of Snake Island in Brazil? It's off limits, too. Between 2,000 and 4,000 golden lancehead snakes live there, and one bite can kill you in under an hour. Even if you get treatment quickly, you'll probably die. Only Icelandic or American scientists are allowed to go to Surtsey Island off the southern coast of Iceland. The island was formed by a volcanic eruption in 1963, and it's one of the newer landmasses on Earth. Scientists want to study how life presents itself before anybody leaves cigarette butts or empty water bottles on it. And one place you definitely don't want to go is North Sentinel Island in India. The people who live there are considered one of the last uncontacted tribes in the world. The Sentinelese are protective of their land, and they may kill you with spears, knives, or a bow and arrow. The guesstimate is between 80 and 150 people live there, and they don't want you. Staying socially distant from these people won't be a problem. Until next time, please don't touch each other and pray that Dr. Fauci remains in good health. Good night, Galileo. Thanks for listening to A Breath of Fresh Earth with your host, Rick Friedman. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you're the first to hear new episodes. If you want to nominate someone for Climate Hero of the Week, send it to Rick at the link below. This has been A Breath of Fresh Earth. Thanks for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.